J.R. Butler, co-founder of The Shift Group, and you're listening to Merchants of Change. This is a podcast about transferring the skills and behaviors we acquire as athletes into being a professional technology salesperson. Each week, we'll introduce you to a top performer who will help us understand how they became professional merchants of change. What's up, kid? How you doing, David? Doing well. Appreciate you having me on, JR. Absolutely. Today on the show, we got David Fails. David, thanks for being here, man. Um, as you know, I know you've, you've gotten a chance to listen a bit, um, but our show is really for people that are new to, new to sales, people that are considering starting their career in sales. Um, and, and our mission really aligns with your background. We, we help former elite athletes, um, as well as military veterans, um, break into kind of elite sales professions like technology sales. Um, and some other verticals. So our, usually our guests are um, former athletes like yourself um, that have found success in sales. We always like to start with the sports background. So we start with a really, really intentionally broad question to kind of get you going. But I'd, I'd love to know, like, you had a great career, but what are some of your favorite memories of uh, of playing football? I think I have I, – I don't know if there is, there's just one. I tell everybody – um, depending on who I'm speaking with, if it's a high school kid, a college kid, NFL kid, I'm like, you're going to miss something about this level that you're at. Like even the high school kids that, uh, that have scholarships that are moving on, I'm like, enjoy the time you have now because you think it's never going to end and everybody will come back to you and say the things that I'm saying and be like, hey, enjoy it. We're coaching because we wish we were in your seats. We miss it. But when you're in it, it's hard for you to kind of step out and realize at this time, um, is going to come to an end at one point. So for me, I, I, I miss things in high school. I'm going to a, a bachelor party uh, this weekend of some of my high school football friends. Um, so it just kind of shows you the relationships you build in sports at every level. And then in college, I had, I was fortunate. I bounced around a, a few times, but I played a lot on a few good teams and built some really cool relationships. And it's, I think obviously there's games that you miss and there's, certain games and events that happen, but it's really the people that you play with that you, you think about and you miss, especially when you're out of it. When you're in it, you got, you're, you're reflecting on like the game you had last year and you're trying to do better than that. But the, the two and a half years that I've been out, it's like, it, it's, I don't miss the games. I miss the locker room. I miss the people I was around, but you take it for, I took it um, for granted when I was in it because I just kind of grew up in it until I was 30 years old. And then all of a sudden I'm, not in it anymore and I'm like oh man I was I miss my people um so for me yeah I don't know if there's one event that I have obviously I had some really cool games that were that were fun um but there isn't just one I I could not agree more I think it's 100% for me anyway from hockey it's it's the locker room dude like I just miss you get to like literally hang out with your friends like five hours a day it's and, and you you absolutely take it for granted while you're in it. So um, I, I I hope that some of our listeners are still in the mix and just you know soak it up, be grateful because um, it, it you never get that time back. Um, and nobody nobody the games matter, but nobody nobody really remembers those specifically. They really remember you know all those times in the locker room. Do you have any like you know old favorite teammates at you know San Jose State or in the NFL and and like. You don't even have to name specific names, but like just the type of people that that you remember the most fondly. 
Oh yeah. Um, at San Jose, when I, I transferred from a junior college into San Jose and that team, it was, we were one of the best teams at San Jose State that year. We finished the year at 21 of the nation. We broke all kinds of records, but, um, this team had been kind of grinding it out as freshmen at sophomore juniors, building the culture and foundation. And when I got there, I, I had also been playing and kind of getting better, but I kind of stepped into a situation where that, that foundation was already built and they just needed somebody to kind of step in line and get them the ball. But the quality of guys and the leadership um, and just the personalities, it was one of the funnest teams I've, I'd ever been on. And, um, we were just, it was so much fun. And, but the people, the guys, the leaders, um, so many guys that are still playing in the league, I, where I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to Vegas this weekend for a bachelor party. Next week, I'm going to a San Jose State, uh, golf trip for one, for, for a, a few guys that were on that team. Um, and again, kind of just shows you the relationships that you build over time and how, I mean, it's been 10 years and we still talk, we're in a group chat and going to do these things. But, it, um, yeah, it's just, that team was really good, but there's a handful of people that I've come into contact with. That's awesome. It sounds like you stepped into like kind of a culture of accountability in terms of like these guys had been through so much together. They, they were playing for each other and like being able to be in that type of environment can be a game changer in terms of the outcomes you can drive within a, within an organization. That's awesome. Um, how do how do you think your teammates would describe you, David? Uh, I think as a hard worker, because even like that team, for example, that my junior year, 2012 at San Jose, I forgot who it was. I was talking to some, an, an old teammate, old teammate, and they didn't even know who I was the spring, summer going into that fall because I didn't get named a starter until week one of that year, uh, going into Stanford. So I'm rotating with like the twos and threes. I was, yeah, I wasn't even really in the mix in the spring. I just transferred, but. All they, they just like, who is this guy who keeps like leading running? We're, we're do conditioning and I'd always be out front. I'd always be that guy, they, but I didn't really talk a lot. I've never been really a vocal leader, um, in terms of like being motivational, getting from the team and trying to say something to get the guys going. Because like for me, I've, I've never been that way. Unless you are a guy who's consistently showing up and performing, it's hard for me to get behind somebody who, who isn't that person already because those guys are naturally going to motivate people just by being around. And that's who I kind of wanted to be. I wanted to be the hardest worker, show up every day and just naturally bring the juice and nothing needs to be said. Um, so I think I would just be described as a hard worker because I'm not fast. I'm not the biggest. I'm not the strongest, but like conditioning four drills in, I'm going to be a, with the fast guys just because they're tired and I am too, but I'm going to keep going. Um, yeah. So hopefully I was a hard worker. That, I mean, listen, that's, I think that's like the best, the best thing that someone could say about, about someone and leading by example is always the best way to lead in my opinion. Right. Um, you know, talk is cheap, uh, actions speak louder. So that's awesome. What, like you, you, you accomplished a lot, dude, in your, in your football career, but is there something that you're like most proud of out of everything that, that you experience? <sighs> I think it's, yeah, I, um, I don't know if there's something I'm most proud of. I think it's, it's been cool as I got, I've, as I've reflected on my career, just to see like, man, I made it to the NFL because I remember when I was in eighth grade in a freshman year and I started this journey of trying to, to, to be a quarterback and like just the, the levels of awareness throughout high school and college where I was like, Oh shit, I am good. You know? And, and I, and then you think back, okay, how do I get good? You know, like I, 
loved the position. I loved the sport and like worked when nobody cared, when nobody believed in me, when nobody noticed. I remember all the times in high school where they said I wasn't going to be able to play, where we were going to be a, a, a running offense because the quarterback can't throw. Um, and you just remember all those times where nobody believed in you, but you believed in you. And you, and it kind of helped me in this transition out of football because it's easy to kind of get into this like self doubt world. Um, especially when I'm going into an area that's unchartered for me. And you just look back at all the times that I had believed in myself in football where I did the same, like the same things, very similar things were happening. And it's like, you just keep grinding when nobody's looking, get better, develop skill. And all of a sudden it, like you'll start seeing, you'll reaping the benefits from that. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know if there's one specific spot, but, um, but yeah. Yeah. Just uh, honestly, like it, it, I think being proud of the work that you put in, that's like, that's, that's the most meaningful part of it. And that's, that sets the foundation for, you know, what's next, which is, that's a good transition for us. So we always joke around with people like, you know, like me, like I want I'm playing college hockey and I just can't wait to sell software. And I'm sure you are the same, the same <laughs> way. You know, you're studying NFL defenses and you're like, man, I just can't wait to start cold calling people. Right. So obviously that's never true. Like, I'm curious to know, like, how'd you end up in sales and did you explore other careers in that process? Yeah. I, so my brother worked at Zoom and he's, my best friend who played quarterback kind of went on the same journey as I did in terms of like practicing in high school. We had the same coaches. He was my backup in high school and even at San Jose state for a little bit. Um, so I, I had been close to him and had seen his experience as an SDR through a startup and then, um, getting to zoom and, and here, but I, when you're not in it and you're not doing the daily stuff, I don't, I didn't really know what he was doing, what he was talking about, but then I saw him go, um, through the IPL with Zoom and like all the money he was making. And I was like, Oh, dude, that's sick. Like, this is cool. <laughs> and, uh, and then, um, I got cut and reached out to some San Jose State alumni, was talking to some buddies in real estate, um, the mortgage industry, some other, um, former players that had become account executives and just kind of see, is this, do you like this? Um, what was your route? Like, are you, how much are you making? You know, like, is it something, what was the path? Um, and I just had my son too, who was six months at the time. So I was like, okay, it's, it was, uh, we were remote cause it was 2021. Yeah. It was, it was right at like a year out of COVID. So it was kind of a, a, a good situation where I could get experience as a BDR, be home with my, my kids and, um, grind it out. And I, and I kind of realized that like, you're not going to be able to hop into an account executive role right away with no experience. So I knew I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to do this, the BDR SDR thing, which I'm glad I did. And how, like, if you don't have any experience, like definitely a place you, you want to start. Um, so that's, yeah, that's how I got into it. I had a, my brother and then a few other close friends that had gone into it. And I didn't really like, I think now as I advise other guys, uh, like other NFL guys and other players getting out of it, it's like, if you don't have like a business you want to start and you want to make a decent amount of money pretty quickly and kind of run your own business within a business, like software sales or sales in general, I think is a good place to start. Um, because the skills that you're going to learn, there's so many skills that transfer into whatever that time is, if you want to start your own business um, and you can make, and maybe you realize you don't want to, and, and you just want to stay in sales and make good money. So that was kind of my thought process. It's a, I mean, it's a smart thought process and I'm glad you said it uh, because I want other people to hear that. Right. Cause it's, 
you know, I, I, I talk about, you know, two things with, with sales. I'm like, listen, it's, there's two things that happen when you work in business to business sales. One is you get to own a franchise straight up. Like you're a franchise owner. You're an entrepreneur without the risk of being an entrepreneur. And number two is you getting paid to get your MBA. You get to learn how companies are organized, how they make decisions, um, you know, and, and, and how to talk to them about spending money, which if someday you want to be a CEO or, or an entrepreneur, you got to know how to do those things and you get paid to do that. So it's awesome. Um, but it is hard, like, especially coming from the NFL, we've had a couple NFL guys that we've gotten BDR jobs, NHL, major league baseball. Can you talk about that a little about that humble pie you got to eat? Uh, initially yeah. when you make that transition? I mean, it, it was tough. Um, but not really the role itself for me. Like I, I was fortunate to have a good manager. Something I wasn't really aware of was the, uh, like the influence of your manager on your quality of work life. Um, I didn't even really think about it for whatever reason, because I just didn't know, but that I was fortunate and have been fortunate enough to have really cool managers here at, here at Zoom and learned a lot from them. So that made it good. But I was going through so much of just the transition from sports during that time that there was like a whirlwind and I was, I was crushing it as a BDR. So like the stress of BDR life wasn't really on me too much because I hit my quota and kind of like cruise a little bit. They, they, you're as a BDR, at least at Zoom, you're capped. So it just doesn't really make sense to go crazy and above. Like, obviously I'm going to make my calls and hit my KPIs, but like I would just crush it and then, um, kind of just try to learn as much as I can on other stuff. But yeah, the, the transition from football during that time as a BDR was the harder part for me that I was going through than really like just being humbled and being a BDR with other like college graduates. Um, so that that was more of a thing that I was going through. And, and again, like I was cool to have a good manager. The, the people I was on on my team were super cool. I was, and I think maybe if I had to go into an office, it would have been a little bit different. But like when you're remote, I'm kind of in my own, own little world. I'm not a, really realizing the environment I'm in, you know, because it's just me. I'm going to hit my calls. I'm going to do my thing. And I'm kind of doing what I was doing before. Um, yeah. So that I definitely think had an effect on like if, if versus somebody else who had tr transitioned out of football is 30 years old and now like with college grads, just cold calling probably would have, probably would have been tough for me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We, we had a kid, I had a kid, uh, we do, we do like a, a course around like, you know, the first role, the day-to-day -day activities. And this kid played like 13 years of professional hockey. And he asked me, he was like, so JR, he's like, when, he's like, when do you take a nap? Like during the day. <laughs> I'm, like, dude, I'm, like, I'm like, dude, like the nap, your nap life is over, buddy. Like you're not, you're not going to be firing out naps at 2 PM, like pregame, like you used to. So, so maybe drop that and let's, let's focus on that. <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, how, how did you like the first six to 12 months, right? Like, like how do you, how do you think about setting yourself up for success so you could, you know, move to that AE role? Like, were there, were there some tips and tricks you could offer our audience around that first six to 12 months? Yeah, I think it's like the same way you would go about getting a role, right? Like, it's, it's how I, I think approach the NFL. It's like, I, I wanted to be the best quarterback that I could be. So who are the best? It's Brady, it's Breeze, all, all the top guys. And then I'm like, okay, who are they learning from? And it was Tom House, Andrew Daydu, John Beck, those guys at 3DQB. 3D QB. So 
I'm I'm trying to figure out what are the best doing. And I went and spent month spent some money to go learn from this guy. Um and it's just kind of the same approach I took being a BDR. It's like, all right, I'm going to go reach out to these top companies that I, I was reaching out to like these top AEs that I could find on LinkedIn. Basically, I was already being a BDR before I was a BDR. I'm sending out messages. I, I tell everybody, I'm like, Hey, you're going to have like a message to an account executive, potentially a hiring manager, uh, a recruiter, and just like put those in the notes. So, cause they're all going to be similar. And then just like send them off on LinkedIn, edit it based on the information you can find. Um, so I did that. And then as when I was a BDR, I'm like, who are the top performers within um, the company? Like, is it, who are the top BDRs? Because I want to be one of the top dogs. So I'm reaching out to them, trying to find a few things that I can take and, and work and just see, like, okay, what can I implement now to get me into a spot where I can get hired as an AE? So then after I did that, like, the first six months, and I realized, okay, I can do this job, like, um. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not ready to be an AE, but I think I'm functional enough as a BDR that I can set meetings and I got to learn something else now. And that, that was really like the nine month mark, but at Zoom, um, you have to sit in seat for a year, no matter what. So, so then after, after like networking with people, I was like, now I need to network up and do the same thing. Start figuring out who are the managers that I want to go with, who are the AEs, um, that I need to link up with and just, and honestly, like not, Obviously, I'm trying to network to find opportunity, but like that's not what I'm leading with. I'm trying to to find value and like learn from them, and then if there's a connection there, like we'll see. Like hopefully, maybe it turns into an opportunity later down the road. But like first, it's like let me just learn, and that's um, again what I tell other people. Like don't reach out to these people when you're trying to find a BDR role or an AE role, hoping for an opportunity. Like just be curious and learn, and then if it does turn into something cool, but if not, like. Just go and just be curious. So that's kind of what I've always been taking when I, when I'm in my best place. That's like that's the mindset I'm in. Hundred percent. Yeah. And 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 I, I'm curious to get your take. Obviously, like we 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 made a big bet on this. Uh, we started a company around it. Um, but but we we have a lot of reasons why we think athletes are really well suited for careers in sales. Do you do you have some like strong opinions about why you think you see so many successful sales reps? with that either college or professional athletic background? Yeah, I think just reflecting on my experience personally and connecting with other athletes, it's like you, we have been routine oriented and have had systems in place our entire lives. And I mean, that's sales basically, right? Like you have to have systems and routines where you just show up daily that you know are going to move the marker in the right direction. Like you don't want to waste time. Um, so once you figure out what like those metrics are and what that system is, and and again reach out to the top people who are doing it at a high level and just and, and copy and paste, it's the same thing in sports. It's like there's no secret sauce that everybody has. Like obviously there's different offenses and stuff, but for the most part, it's going to be a, a very similar schedule and routine. Um, and you just have to show up and, and crank it on. And I think if you've had success um, for a significant, whether it's high school or college, you understand that and you probably need that and you need to implement it in your life in some way. So I, I think that's why athletes have a, do really well because they are routine oriented. They are, they need systems. They will, um, continue to do the, the cold calling or whatever the, the prospecting when they really don't want to, but it's just like, they're going to show up and do it. They might be tired. Like being tired and not doing it is something that like, I don't understand. It's like, I, I, I wake up super early and work out every day. It's like, aren't you tired? It's like, yeah, but like, I have to do this. This isn't a, this isn't, I'm not 
a question. I think a lot of people have like that, like, oh, but aren't you going to be tired? Maybe, but yeah, like I got a plan in place, you know, like I got a routine that I'm, I'm doing. So that's not something I think athletes really deal with as much. If you've done it at a high level, I think it's very easy for athletes sometimes to kind of get out of that system routine. If you haven't reflected and become aware of what got you to where you are, you could probably, there's like one or two ways you can go when you get done. And you might go down this path where you're, you aren't going to like that. So if you can reflect and realize like, hey, living this way and doing certain things got me to the highest level at whatever I did. And just put that in, in other areas of your life, your health and fitness, your family, your work, whatever it is, your finances. Like it's all the same. Like success, the principles of being successful can be related to all areas of your life. You just got to kind of reflect and, and implement it. Yeah. So I think, yeah, that's – and that that is literally like – what I've been able to pick obviously from, from my career and then just finding other people who were athletes and crushed it um, here at zoom. It's like, they just do the same stuff over and over. There is no secret. Nope. Nope. And, and, and there's a, there's like a unique ability to understand the idea of delayed gratification, like the emails, the cold calls you're making now, they're going to pay off two, three months down the road, but they're critical. And we, we talk a lot about, you know, cause, cause, Tech sales got cool like the last few years and, and like a lot of people wanted to do it. And, and a lot of it was driven by the move to remote and this idea of having autonomy and flexibility. But the problem is, is if you approach the job because you have autonomy and you don't have a, a you know, I call it a sales operating rhythm. If you don't have an operating rhythm, you're not going to be successful. Like you need to still structure your day, structure your week, structure your month and structure your quarter. And you need to move backwards from like your quota goals, your skill development goals, and your career progression goals. And you need to build activities every single day into, into your schedule that are helping you reach those goals eventually. So that's a, that may be my favorite answer. Um, I'm, I'm very curious to get your take on this because you literally work at what, what I would argue like outside of maybe Apple and Amazon is is potentially the most pop, most well-known technology company in the world, right? Like my dad still calls 411 on his iPhone, but he knows what a Zoom is. So yeah. there's something to be said about that. So knowing what you know now, um you got a kid, a football football guy from from San Jose State. He maybe goes through our program. We usually put kids in front of multiple opportunities. They always get multiple offers. And a lot of the conversations I'm having with people are like, "Well, this this base salary is 5k higher or these benefits are this. And, and, yeah. you know, I'm pushing them to say, Hey, let's think about the stuff that matters. What is the stuff that matters in your opinion when it comes to that first job? I think you need to look at the onboarding and the training. Like what are they going to do for you in terms of developing skills? Um, and that's, that's why I went to zoom. I had some other offers as a BDR for, from startups. Um, and different uh, industries that I thought like, oh, this could be interesting. Like if I crank out, you, I might have to be a BDR for two years to, to learn this this niche, but like it could pay off in the long, long run. But I went to a bigger company like Zoom because I thought um, the training would be there. I think it wasn't necessarily what I thought it was. They've kind of gone through like rapid growth and have been just like with their hair on fire learning, like I'm realizing they, but it's like crazy, the growth that they've gone through. And I kind of hopped in right towards the middle end of that. Um, so I would tell them like, Hey, go like connect with the hiring manager, 
see what his experience is. Has he done the role? Does he have like proven success? Because that's going to be huge. You're going to be with that guy probably every day in, in the, the first couple of months. So like wanting to make sure there's somebody there, like your coaches knows what he's talking about and has played, played the position. Um, and then like dive into what is the training look like? Like, is there a method? Is there a process that you can just implement? Um, I think like going to, um, also just like evaluating the, the space you want to get into is like, like zoom and you cast something you want to get into and stay in. Um, cause if not, maybe look at some other industries and, and see if you want to be a BDR there for a year or two. And it may pay off in the long run because there, you're going to be more of a specialist in that space. Um, and, and it may be something you're interested in. So I think manager, has he played the position and what's the onboarding and training look like? Because like, that's really what you're trying. You're trying to just develop your skills in the beginning and that they have something where they're just like cranking out successful BDRs and reps. And what's the timeline if your role is to be an AE? Like, what does that process look like? Do you have metrics or is it like, I don't care if you hit 200% for one year, you are sitting in seat for a year because that's going to piss you off. At least it did yeah. for me. Like, but if you've proven that like, okay, you can set meetings and now like we don't need to waste another six months of, of your time. Like, let's get you in the seat. So I would, yeah, I would ask that too. Yeah. We're, we're going to cut, cut that answer right up and put it right in our training. Cause it's literally verbatim. What I tell people, I say hiring manager, number one, a training and development culture, right? Like, like process would, would be ideal. But if they have a, a culture where like training and development is built in to the operating rhythm of the organization, that's a good sign. And then the third we talk about is growth opportunity, right? Like you don't want to go to a company that's shrinking because it's going to be harder to move into an AE role. And if the company's growing, you're going to grow into a, into a higher level, higher level role faster. And having that path understood is key. So thank you for supporting what I tell people already. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's real. And I, Cause I've, I've had this conversation with a few NFL guys that just didn't really know about software sales and for, like, I've been lucky to have my brother who's been in it yeah. and has kind of done it and, and I've seen his experience. Um, but it, it's huge. Like, especially that too. It's like, do you want to go to a startup or a public company? Because those are different plays and it may be safer for you to go to a public company, but that's a different long-term play. And, and it might be again where they, Hey, they have the training built out. You're going to, your plan is to be there for six months, get in the seat, and then let's go take a risk on a startup that um, could have some long-term value. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And, and, and I think it comes, a lot of that like startup versus big company comes down to people's personalities too, right? Like if you, if you, if you know, you need to know what to do every day and you want to stay in your lane, then, then typically a bigger company is going to be a better fit. If you, if you need some like kind of dynamic changes constantly, which I've, I've spent my, most of my career in startups, like, you know, the only constant is change. If you're okay with that, then, then that might be a better fit. Um, yeah. move, moving into like the, the, the sales, like the, the kind of quota carrying sales function. What have you like started to notice about like, and you, you're smart in that you've spent a lot of time with top performers. What do, what do those top performers have in common? in terms of like their focus areas in your opinion? I think they, they know where to spend their time. They have a, a plan in terms of what they're going to work on. Um, they're very, 
um, dialed in in terms of their numbers and like stats. Like they know what they need to do in order to achieve their quota. Um, this is something I'm, I'm, I am, I can say I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm working on like figuring out what exactly, like I've, I've had three quarters under my belt. So it's like, okay, looking back, what, what are the things that I've done in the last three quarters that I've been able to hit quota that I can say like, all right, I need to whatever, send this many emails, have this much in pipeline to hit. But these guys like that have been doing it for years, they know exactly what it is. And like, they they might do a a bunch of prospecting in the beginning of the year and have just like pipeline built out for the year. They know like this is a deal. They're, they're able to um, disqualify ops pretty quickly and know what's a real op and what's not a real op. Um, they just have a process. They have systems built in for everything, but they have a plan in terms of where they're spending their time. Um, and, and they're not wasting their time. They have a, a value for their time. Like, Hey, if this is a uh, 200 plus employee op, like this is what they're going to get. And this is how I'm going to work this deal for whatever, for SMB small business. Um, yep. if, it, if it's a 50 to a hundred, they're going to get this. And this is how much time I'm going to spend on it because I know past this, it's not worth my time. Um, but they're just very, very dialed in in terms of what they're working on and how much time they're going to implement on that and exactly what they need to do to hit quota. Yeah. And the, and the biggest like governor, because time is the only resource you can't create more of. So like being able to leverage your time effectively is so important in sales. And I think the biggest governor for that is that disqual, that, that qualification muscle, like knowing, Hey, this, this company has, I'm, I'm talking to a change agent. This is something they're going to invest in. You know, I might not be, you know, at the exact right spot I need to be at, but I know if I can get to that spot, this will turn into a deal. And yeah. then some organizations are never going to change and you just need to figure that out quickly and, you know, cut bait uh, really, really fast. So that's a, that's a hundred percent right on. Um, you, you've, you've started to experience like a lot of different um, sales leaders now. What have you noticed about like good sales leadership? Like, can you give an example of a, like a, a good piece of leadership you've seen since you've been at Zoom? I think it's, it's been interesting for me because there has been some turnover and a lot of change um, since I've been in AE and we're in this remote environment. So it's like, I'll get into an all hands meeting and they, they say the stuff and it's, I'm, I'm just like still kind of learning as I go. So I'm like, it's all new to me, but what I've experienced from my direct manager, fortunately, like I, when I was networking, trying to figure out which team I wanted to be on, there was one team who's like literally just blows, blows it out of the water every time. And they're no longer this team. We just went through another big shuffle. But when I became an AE, um, I was able to get on his team. Like these guys had been together for years. It's kind of crazy. And for like, Fortunately, when I was available, um, they had one guy that was leaving and I got on this team and this guy was a, a rep. My manager was a rep before who had crushed it and got into a manager role. Um, and I think his ability to just be involved and spend the time with his reps, like on the floor with me, basically like calling me every day, like, hey, this is what we're working on. This is the system. This is what I did. And being able just to communicate, I think communication is key. Like, and then this is something I experienced in football and even in this, and it's a little bit different in this remote environment because it can get, things can get a little bit out of context if you're in the chat or this is, I can tell like how you're feeling and what you're saying. Um, and it's just different when you're not in person, like in football, you know, like, you know, exactly what's being said, how they're feeling everything. And, and like it, if you can get on the same page, like we want to win, we both want the same thing. Let's just figure out what we need. 
Um, my manager is like super cool in terms of communicating. Unfortunately, like I've, I've listened to everything he said and, and stuff, but um, he just overly communicated what to expect. And I think that's a huge part. I think it's something I'm learning in these bigger companies. There's just so many levels of where this communication comes from. And it's like the guy that's three levels ahead of you still may not know exactly what's going on because there's three more levels above him to Eric Yuan, the CEO. So it's just, I kind of take everything with a grain of salt until it's actually on my computer and like being something I have to do. Um, yeah. But like your direct manager just needs to communicate, spend the time with you and be involved, know exactly what's going on, know what you need. Um, I think that's been the, the huge thing is just overall communication and, and being able to listen and help. Yeah. I think like, sounds like this, this, this manager is somebody who sees his job is to make you successful. I almost like when I led sales teams, it was like, I listen, I work for you. Like I need to make you successful. If we do have something that comes from the top, I'm going to, I'm going to roll it out, but I'm going to explain why, why we're rolling it out to the best of my ability so that you understand why I'm making you, you know, enter this new field in, in the CRM that you never used before. Right. Like it's yeah. sounds like busy work, but this is why we need it. This is, <laughs> or, or it might just be busy work. And like just yeah. saying that is, <laughs> is cool too. Uh, totally. totally. Yeah. <laughs> Um, have you, I know you're kind of still early, David, but have you started thinking about like mentorship and like identifying mentors outside of, you know, your, your direct organizational chart, even maybe outside of zoom that, that you've leveraged? I haven't, I don't know if I've really, I mean, I'm always connecting with other guys that I've seen there's a, a sports background and now they're an account executive and they've had a significant amount of time. And I'm like, Hey, what was your thought process? Like, why, how'd you get to this enterprise rep role? And again, just, I'm not like looking for a referral or anything. I just like, do you like it? How was it? What's, um, what's your experience been? And then obviously like, there's just so much you can relate to transitioning from sports into software sales is what I'm realizing. Cause like I, for a minute there, I was thinking things I never thought I was going through stuff. I never felt I'm like, what's wrong with me? Am I the only one? And then all of a sudden you, you kind of put it out there and hop on to some other people, um, people that have transitioned from sports. I'm like, we're all going through the same thing. And like being able just to share your story will help somebody else. Cause that's what somebody did for me. They uh, verbalized like what they were going through and told me their story. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like I haven't told anybody this. And I'm literally thinking the same thing. And then it just made me feel like I had, a chance to um i had a chance basically like i'm not i'm not screwed here so i think yeah obviously like reaching out to former athletes who had transitioned to sales there's uh, i've done it and i need to do this more like i kind of was networking hard and then i kind of went to a phase where like i need to figure out this ae role and like crush it and then kind of like okay i have the skills now let me start again networking just seeing what i if this is a space I want to stay in, where do I want to go to next? Then all these layoffs were happening. And I'm like, all right, let me just kind of lay low here and, and keep doing my job. But yeah, I, I, I haven't, I don't really have anybody outside of Zoom. Um, I appreciate, I, there's a few people, but not, I'm not who I would want, want to, you know, I need to find somebody, find a few people and just start networking a little bit more and, and leverage somebody who's done it at a high level. I, I got a couple guys in mind for you. I'll make you some. I'll make some connections for you. Um, so, last two questions, buddy. Uh, we ask every guest these same questions. The first is, you know, we we ask our guests to highlight a skill that you've developed so far, um, 
that you think is 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 making you and, and going to continue to make you an elite salesperson? Um, I think it's, I mean, very similar to like how I'm approaching just life in general, general, like just continuing to get better and learn, right? Like, like Zoom is, that's one is like, I just got to keep learning because my brother said this to me when I first got into it and it really hit me. It's like when you, the reason you were good at the quarterback position is because you knew the playbook in and out. Like you maybe didn't know what you were going to do when you started to play, but you knew it so well that you had answers for everything. So I think like, taking that approach of trying to learn the product because it, it is still kind of a new world for me. There's like stuff being said in some of these meetings with specialists. So I'm just like, what? I'm like Googling these words. And so it's like trying to get to a place where I know the products that I have answers because then that's going to open up other opportunities and just be able to add more value. Um, that's awesome. That's yeah. a great, great answer, dude. And, and it's by the way, critical, right? Cause like, we, we, we've chosen an industry that changes like on a dime in terms of technology and that speed of change has accelerated so much from when I started my career. So I, like, you know, I've been doing it for 15 years, David, and I can tell you, I am Googling stuff every single day where I'm like, what the hell does this mean? <laughs> yeah. so that, that is not going to change. But as long as you have the personality to, to be the person that wants to know what the hell that word the guy just said is, then you're going to continue to be successful. Um, think, yeah, one other thing too is just like, and it's something I was a little bit um, better at when I was at BDR, and it's easy to kind of get in your own like rut or routine. I think as an AE, if you've had some sort of success, is like just being comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? Like when I like cold calling was a weird thing for me at the beginning. I was like, oh my gosh, like what if he says this and I don't know? And it's like, okay, that's fine. Like, but you're not going to know how to respond to these people unless you get out of your comfort zone. And I think as like football players, I was thinking about this the other day. It's like so many times am I uncomfortable. I am nervous as hell before a game. Right. But like, I don't have a, cha a choice because this deadline's coming. Like there's too many people relying on me. Um, I think sometimes it's easy in this little remote sales environment to put off the cold calls. Um, or, or like it's just easy and especially as an AE you know you could have success maybe emailing and stuff but like I think I'm realizing like cold calling works um and like just being uncomfortable in these discovery meetings being uncomfortable like cold calling uh, a CEO or a CFO or some of these C-level people just being comfortable being uncomfortable and like staying there um and learning that's where growth happens too so that's something yep. I'm reminding myself as well yeah um, it is. And, 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 you know, the cold, the cold calling thing, it's, it's because of when I started my career, I always find it really funny that like now cold calling is like getting out on a skinny branch where it used to be like, that's all we had. I had a, 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 business, <laughs> yeah. I had a business journal and a phone, but because of the advent of all these like really kick-ass sales technologies, it's easy to hide behind email sequences and yeah. cadences and, but you know, people still have their phone on them all the time. And, and if you pick it up, you're talking to a person who has, you know, a wife, they got kids, they want to just do their job, they want to go home, they want to, you know, they want to be yeah. successful. So you got to remind yourself of that sometimes. Yeah. Um, I love it. So I, my, I grew up with a coach as a father and, and um, all me and my brothers all play college hockey. One of my brothers played professionally in, at the Olympic level and in, in the NHL. And a lot of it, uh, you know, the success we've had came from like lessons we learned when we were young. And my dad really did a good job of 
getting the idea of professionalism into our bones, right? Like, you know, you, 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 whatever you are, be a good one. Right. Um, so I always say like, when I talk about salespeople that I've come across or that I've worked with or worked for me, the highest praise I can give someone is like that they're a pro. So I'd love to know from your perspective, what does being a pro in sales mean to you? I think it means being prepared and showing up consistently every day, like being the same guy. I think um, when you just think of professionals at, at any level, um, and even in, in football and NFL, it's like, who were the best guys? Like, they're prepared. They were smart. And they were the same dude no matter what every day. If we won, didn't matter. He was the same guy. If we lost, didn't matter. He was doing the same thing the day after a game. So it's, I think, as, as a professional in anything and in, in, in sales, it's like you have to be the same person. Don't be high one day, low the next day. Like, we don't know who this guy is. Show up the same day. Um, and be prepared because you don't want to be the guy that's like, do you care about this? You know, and, and anything you do, it should be like really literally anything you do in life, not just sales. Like if you're going to do it, do it right. Um, so I think that's um, how I would define a professional in sales. I think, I think you just, you just named the episode, dude, preparation and consistency, baby. That's what it's all about. I love it. Yeah. No doubt. I love it. Well, well, David, Thank you so much for giving us some time today. This is going to be an, another required listening episode for our for our athletes and our veterans. So we really appreciate having you on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it, Jared. Thanks for everything you're doing. And I mean, I, I tell athletes all the time. I'm gonna I'm gonna start pushing them all of them towards your your show. So um, it's it's yeah, I really appreciate it. Awesome. This wraps up this episode of Merchants of Change. If you enjoyed this episode, the most meaningful way to say thanks is to submit a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're interested in working with us, please come find us at www.shiftgroup.io.